You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you're a 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you as always, three times a week. We are reacting to the uh Dual, I would say, dual emotional victory of the 33-17 49ers, uh, surprisingly handling of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but of course, the bigger news, Mark, than even the win itself is another quarterback injury sustained by the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo going down uh, on a sack at the one or the 11-22 mark of the first quarter, so pretty early in the game. Um they found out that it is a season-ending injury. Shanahan spoke shortly after the game, said a few things were broken in his foot. Uh, he found out the news in the second quarter. But, Mark, uh, but before we obviously dig into all the good that did happen today uh, and some stuff that could potentially um, be used to build off of for the 49ers, the loss of Jimmy Garoppolo is something that, I, I mean, I'm just going back personally to how I felt after hearing the news about Trey Lance uh, and this to me feels much larger than that injury news did. It's uh, it's really difficult. You said it well at the, at the start. Um, you know, you're you're kind of dealing with two different emotions right now. The emotions of a dominant win against one of the better teams in the league, thirty three to seventeen. The defense was phenomenal again, especially after the first play from scrimmage of the game, where they gave up a seventy five yard touchdown to for, to a, a former forty nine er. They come out and they play great after that, but. Then you kind of have the dark cloud of what was the Jimmy Garoppolo injury hanging over your head for that entire game. And as you mentioned, Kyle Shanahan speaks post game and says he's out for the year. He'll need surgery. He broke a few things in his foot. So uh, certainly, certainly not good news for the 49ers there. Brock Purdy played as well as you could have asked a Mr. Irrelevant to play. We'll talk more about him in a little bit. Uh, but with every... Every injury that the Niners have, Evan, it's unfortunate, but injuries are are continuing to become the story of Kyle Shanahan's tenure as 49ers head coach. It has happened time and time and time again. I'm not assessing any blame. It's just the truth of what has happened. And you cannot tell the story of Kyle Shanahan's head coaching tenure with the 49ers uh, without the story of of the injuries and it's probably chapter one in that book because it's happened so many times it's interesting you say that because i honestly thought this might have been the best regular season game that that kyle shanahan has has ever coached uh for the 49ers you could certainly make that that argument uh especially because of what he had to adjust to with losing his starting quarterback 
in the first yeah. quarter. I mean, I, I we'll, we'll dig into Shanahan certainly, and I think there's a lot of credit that should go his way, but you are right that injuries will basically be synonymous with his time in San Francisco. And unfortunately now injuries will also be synonymous with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I, I think he was starting in my opinion, Mark to turn a page of being a guy who of course last year fought through injuries and, and helped the Niners go deep into the playoffs was the ultimate insurance plan this season. And with the way that he was playing with the way that he was leading this team to, you know, we're assuming the playoffs, um, not that I don't I don't think they're necessarily derailed by his injury because of how good he's been over the last, you know, two months that he's taken over as quarterback. But it does feel like this is unfortunately going to be one of the lasting memories of Jimmy Garoppolo is him. At least he was able to walk off the field this time. But unfortunately, they're going to pan to him being carted to the locker room, which he was after he did get off the field under his own power. And immediately the conversation on social media and starting tomorrow is going to surround Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm afraid, Mark, it's not really going to be in a positive light because of his exit or the way I should say that he exited. Well, I mean, you, you rewind to when the 49ers traded up to the number three spot in the 2021 NFL draft and they picked Trey Lance and, and everything Kyle Shanahan said was, was, well, you know, the reason why is because of Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history. Um, he's probably not saying the fact that he didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo was simply good enough. And I, I think that was true, but clearly a big part of it, whether it was all of it or not, was Jimmy Garoppolo's inability, whether it was just bad luck or or the fact that whatever it is, Jimmy Garoppolo simply has struggled to stay healthy. Uh, and, and it's happened again this time, which is extremely unfortunate. And you have to admit that, you know, Kyle Shanahan's, I don't know, initial reason for trying to find a different quarterback, unfortunately, confirmed it was it was a, a good decision i'm not trying to relitigate all of that in the past but it's 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 something that you have to mention when you discuss jimmy garoppolo's injury history and it's 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 extremely unfortunate it was uh it was a sack in that on that first quarter jimmy actually fought away from a couple of tacklers and instead of losing 12 yards lost only seven yards or something like that it was a great effort but he ultimately gets rolled up on his left ankle gets trapped underneath uh, a, a Dolphins defender and, and the rest is history. There was a thought maybe it was going to be a high ankle sprain and even that was going to be, what, six weeks? Maybe uh, maybe he comes back for the playoffs, but uh, this is uh, the worst possible news for the 49ers because now he's out for the season. You don't know what the rest of this year looks like. When you mentioned Garoppolo is playing maybe the best football of his career, this was a team that had a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl. Now that's in question. The future is in question. It's uh, it's a shame because it, it spoiled the fantastic afternoon for the 49ers in Santa Clara. They picked up by far their most impressive win of the year. And I think it did spoil a couple of things for me. And one of them being Jimmy Garoppolo's chance to prove doubters or you know yeah. whoever thinks ill about him wrong. Because like you said, it is now confirmed that injuries are going to I think dictate a lot of the conversation around Shanahan and of course, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
But the second thing that is likely going to be said about him is, well, he just he came up short again and again and again. Now, obviously, there's a lot of uh, substance behind that. But the question was, could he change that narrative this year? And unfortunately, he's not going to get a chance to do that because for a lot of people, it comes down simply to how Jimmy G has played in the playoffs and he won't have a chance to play in the playoffs. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing for me is, I look, I hope that Brock Purdy was as good as he was today against Miami. But I do think for me, it spoils how I view San Francisco as a Super Bowl contender. Absolutely. Before the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, I know we've talked all about his limitations and the things that Jimmy G cannot do, but he gives you a chance. I think that chance to win the Super Bowl leaves with Jimmy Garoppolo. And even though, again, I'm hoping that Brock Purdy can galvanize this group and can continue to play the way he did, which was managing the football game in an advantageous way for a San Francisco defense that dominated the Dolphins today. But for me, without the QB2, now going to QB3, I, I do not expect the 49ers to win the Super Bowl this year, Mark. It's that simple. Oh, no. I mean, there was questions around this team when Trey Lance, a second-year quarterback, the number three overall pick, was leading this team. Um, and I'm not saying that Trey Lance and Brock Purdy are the same players, but, I mean, just put it in perspective. There were questions when a number three overall pick was the starting quarterback of this team and a second-year player at that. And now you you hand the keys to rookie Mr. Irrelevant, literally the last pick in the most recent NFL draft, is now the starting quarterback of a team that is in the front seat to win the NFC West. The Seahawks survived a scare in Los Angeles against the Rams on Sunday, uh, but the Niners still in the driver's seat for that. Uh, there was still a very realistic possibility that if things go well for the 49ers down the stretch of the season, they could get the two seed. The Vikings also survived the scare uh, against the Jets this week. Um, but I mean, I'm with you. You cannot expect a, a rookie quarterback who was picked in the final pick of the draft to, to do much for you when it comes to January football. Um, I, I would not be shocked at all. I think the 49ers are still going to make the playoffs. I would not be surprised if they win a game just because of how elite their defense is. And we'll talk more about this as, as the season moves along, but this is a, a Niners team. If they play an elite defense like the Cowboys, uh, certainly if they take on the Eagles, if they play potentially even the Vikings, uh, no, no doubt in my mind, this is an injury that takes them out of that conversation because there's there's no comparing whatever you think about Jimmy Garoppolo. There's simply no comparing a longtime NFL veteran to a rookie in his his first action of NFL football. It's just nowhere near the same. Hey, and look, I mean, to his credit, Brock Purdy looked good. I mean, he went from Mr. Irrelevant to Mr. Relevant. Like he was thrust into the game and performed admirably 25 of 37, 210, two touchdowns and an interception for those of you watching on YouTube. And, you know, like, and, and that's what feels so tough about this game is like, it was a great game. I mean, yeah. the 49ers got their biggest win of the season. I mean, I, I said it on, on Friday's episode. I thought this game meant more to San Francisco to prove that they are a legitimate contender, but where they prove that they are legitimate 
automatically again get stripped away because of the loss of the quarterback. And that's also something that is going to follow Shanahan for like, look, yes, that is why they drafted Trey Lance. That is why they brought back Jimmy Garoppolo so that they wouldn't be in this scenario. But it also illuminates to me just how important people, I think, even sometimes still underestimate the importance of a quarterback. Like I know it's hard to think about in San Francisco because you've had all these shortcomings, but that also means you've had a quarterback that has gotten you to those places. And I know some people may tomorrow say, Hey, you know, Purdy looked good. Like he could sling the ball. He was pretty good on third down. Didn't make a ton of mistakes, which is pretty impressive for being thrust into his first game in the regular season to, you know, being asked to essentially start from, you know, the first drive on after Jimmy G got hurt. Like he played damn well. And I I do want to tip my cat to cap to Brock Purdy, but at the same time, there's, there's just this solemn feeling, as I'm sure there is in the 49ers locker room, and, and maybe one of the reasons that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, reportedly did not stick around after his family was there in attendance from what Shanahan was saying. Garoppolo left before everyone could get back into the locker room. But you could just see it on his face. Like, you can see Kyle delivering the news just, yep. I mean, it's 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 like waking up tomorrow and reading the newspaper first page it's going to be everywhere jimmy garoppolo and that broken foot you know the, the details of the injury are tbd liz frank has been floated around but whatever that that still image is of his ankle going sideways is going to remain with the 49ers and the rest of their fans for a long time for, for until probably next season yeah absolutely no doubt about it and it's I mean, you just feel terrible for Jimmy Garoppolo as as we're all talking about. I mean, he's having a, a fantastic, you know, six game stretch. Uh, you can make a case. Certainly 2019, he was he was playing really good football as well. But you can make the case. This is the, the best he's played in his career. There's there's talk. I mean, what was it? Ian Rappaport Sunday morning before NFL games even kicked off, sent out a, a report saying the Niners would love to have Jimmy Garoppolo back. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition for his services. And you, you you can finally feel the conversation around Jimmy Garoppolo turning. Like, it had, it had taken a really long time. Ever since he overthrew, uh, you know, his target in the, 20, in the 2020 Super Bowl, the end of that 2019. Yeah, Sanders, yeah. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders. Ever since he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in that Super Bowl, the conversation had been, one, Jimmy Garoppolo is not good enough to win in the at the NFL level in the big games and in the Super Bowl. And two, he just can't simply stay healthy. The last six weeks, that conversation had slowly been changing. He had been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away every single week. And then this happens. He's out for the year, and his future is in doubt. This isn't a career-ending injury by any stretch. He will recover, make a full recovery, and he'll be able to play football again. But it just throws a dagger right through his heart because he had worked so hard to kind of change the narrative about his career. And now it's 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 all for naught because he's right back to square one. It is. It truly is. Unfortunately for the 49ers, they lose their starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, at the 11-22 mark of the first quarter. Uh, he broke a few things, according to Kyle Shanahan. He is done for the season. It is the Brock Purdy era of San Francisco 49ers football as of now. Uh, we will wait to see what happens from there. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to remind everyone to download, rate, and subscribe to the 415ers podcast. Coming at you three times a week, good or bad, uh, in this scenario. And, of course, we are reacting to the Niners, again, 16-point win against the Miami Dolphins. Like, they they beat a team that had everything going for them. The second-best passing attack. They made Tua Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa, pardon me, can't even <laughs> say his name. I can't even remember his name. That's how bad he was today, Mark. Freaking A. Uh, they beat him 33-17. to They are now 8-4. and They are still atop the NFC West. They move closer and closer to securing you know, a home game in the playoffs. Obviously, we'll see as the Seattle Seahawks are hot on the, their tails. They did beat the Los Angeles Rams today. But, Mark, you know, if, if we're looking at the positive from this game, I just want to say this. The last five games, the San Francisco 49ers have allowed seven points in the second mm. half now because they, they did good? give up a touchdown. But they have also outscored their opponents by 63 points. Like, they have not slowed down, and since we had that conversation way back when about what was going on with Shanahan on or off script, uh, that that theory has been debunked. It has been it is a myth because it does not apply to this team right now. They have played their best football even when they've shot themselves in the foot by giving up a first place seventy five yard touchdown to former Forty Nine er Trent Sherfield. From that point on, they outscored them thirty three to ten, Mark, and they really just wrestled this game away from Miami made them feel it in almost every single facet. And again, outside of the starting quarterback get hurt, getting hurt, I don't think you can pick a hole in what the 49ers did today. No, they were dominant. Uh, I mean, 308 yards offensively uh, in this game. But as you mentioned, 75 on that first play. So you hold an offense like this essentially under 250 yards of, of total offense. I mean, I, I know you have to include that 75-yard touchdown, but... I mean, that was four quarters worth of football after that first play from scrimmage. So over four quarters, essentially, you hold this offense to 250 yards. You force four takeaways, four turnovers, three interceptions, two of Tuga Tagovailoa. Also, there was the backup that came in there at the end. The Niners also uh, intercepted Skylar Thompson late. Uh, and then the the forced fumble on the strip sack by Nick Bosa. We'll talk about him. He had a defensive player of the year statement kind of game. It was just absolutely dominant from the 49ers defense. Tyreek Hill got involved. Nine catches, 146 yards, including that 45-yard touchdown that got the Dolphins kind of back in the game in the second half. But Jalen Waddle, five targets, only one catch for nine yards. He was in and out with kind of a nagging lower body injury, it seemed like, throughout the game. But still, only one catch for uh, Jalen Waddle. 
if you were coming into this game saying combined Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, 10 catches for 155 yards, you take it absolutely. That's phenomenal for the 49ers defense. They were incredible. They didn't allow the run game to get going very often, so much so that the Dolphins only ran the ball eight times all game long. Um, it was a, a fantastic performance for the 49ers defense. And D'Amico Ryans beats uh, his his former colleague, Mike McDaniel, at his own game. He was he was phenomenal once again for the 49ers. Yeah, it's it's funny. A lot a lot of national conversation, I think, surrounded the fact that, hey, Mike McDaniel is really familiar with the 49ers system. Like he knows how to attack them. Uh, but the the other side of the coin was not being uttered as much, which was the fact that D'Amico Ryans knows Mike McDaniel too. <laughs> like he knows exactly what Mike wants to do. And right now, I mean, there's still some tests that D'Amico Ryans has to answer for, the biggest one in the room being the dual threat quarterback. But I think we can say that D'Amico Ryans in this 49ers offense against a pocket passing quarterback, I know Tua did not play his best game today, but a lot of that is because of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I do think that the second half was like the Dolphins looked a lot better and they did at one point cut it to six uh, before, of course, the Robbie Gould field goal late that kind of put the game away. And then Dre Greenlaw uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown in front of a Dolphins offensive lineman. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Number 75, <laughs> jump of the football. My God. All right. Uh, but, you know, but the first half, it was clear that the defense for the 49ers, they made Tua Tagovailoa uncomfortable in the pocket. And they made those easy gimme throws that had been there all season long for the Dolphins not look as open or look much more difficult to complete. Even the the, the freaking layups, the bunnies mm. that Tua ended up missing, one of them turns into an interception. Mark, Tua entering this game and entering that bad stretch at the beginning of the second half had thrown 193 passes without an interception. He threw two in a row. Yep. Like that's how good the Niners defense was today. Yeah. He was super inaccurate to a was, and there were a number of throws where there, there wasn't even anyone in his face. He had a, he had a lane, he had a, an open receiver and he simply overshot him. And that's where some of the interceptions came in. So I think you can, you can say, Tua Tagovailoa simply not at his best and and clearly, you know, nowhere near that level. A lot of that was because of the 49ers, but I I think it was also just simply a day where Tua didn't quite have it uh, like he has for much of this season. But really, the Niners made him look like the guy that the previous Dolphins regime and Dolphins fans wanted out last year. They made him look like that guy. And it's for the first time he's looked that that bad this whole season. And well, I was talking on Friday about what I thought were keys to the game. And I said, I don't think, I don't think this is a, a day for the 49ers to blitz a ton. Uh, they did blitz and, and it, it worked out well for them, but the key was covering up. They played press man coverage so that they get really close to the line of scrimmage. They were physical with the receivers when the ball was snapped. Tua Tagovailoa generally generally releases the ball between two and three seconds from when the ball is snapped. The Niners covering those receivers on press man coverage early, just across the line of scrimmage, that you know cut off those quick options for Tua Tagovailoa. He's forced to then look elsewhere, which is rarely what he's been you know asked to do this season. He gets a little bit uncomfortable, 
And then again, that's where Nick Bosa comes in and wreaks havoc against Tua Tagovailoa, strips him, sacks him, forces wayward passes for incompletions or turnovers. The defense, the front was obviously phenomenal, getting those sacks, specifically Nick Bosa. But I think the key was the game plan for D'Amico Ryans playing that press man coverage up on the line, being physical with the receivers early, forcing them off of their routes early in the plays, making Tua Tagovailoa uncomfortable, and then the rest is history. That's when he then makes awkward passes, he gets sacked, and so on. Great game plan for D'Amico Ryans and the 49ers. No, I think you're spot on, Mark. And and that press coverage takes a second, an extra second and a half yep. for those guys to even cr- try to create separation, even think about creating separation, which, of course, allows Nick Bosa and the rest of those 49ers to, even if they're not sacking him, which they did a total of three times, all of which from yours truly, Nick Bosa, um, it just means that he's like, it was so clear that after the first drive, and, you know, there's only one play, but that was a play where you saw, look, Tua has his first option open. And that ball's immediately going to Sherfield, and it's immediately going for a big gain. Even if they were able to, to tackle him after the catch, that's going to be a big chunk play for the Dolphins. That's what they do to opposing defenses. But after that, and I'm sure D'Amico immediately talked to you know whoever he needed to on defense to make sure that they were in sync. Your number one option to attack Vailoa is not going to be there on any play. You are going to look right and immediately see that guy covered up or not open. And when we saw Tua have to, you know, kind of navigate back across the field, go to that second, third, or fourth read, you can tell the thought and almost that internal clock of I got to get this ball out Mm -hmm. is in his head. And I think that's why you saw those errant throws, especially in the first half. That's why you saw him start nine for 21 from the game. He was nine of 12 after that. So he got it together. But by then, it was largely too late, and the 49ers had already done enough damage offensively, despite maybe not making the Dolphins capitalize in the first half, or not not capitalizing on the Dolphins' mistakes in the first half. There were a few chances in the red zone that the Niners did not turn You know those red zone trips into touchdowns. They took field goals, but Kyle Shanahan created enough of those trips to finally knock down the door, and then the help of the defensive touchdown down the stretch, of course, padded the lead. But I, I think that you're, you're right on with D'Amico Ryans and the game plan today for the 49ers. It was absolutely stellar. And it's also, I mean, even before he got hurt, like Jalen Waddell was, was pretty absent. And yeah. Tyreek Hill really only got going in the second half of the game, in the fourth quarter of that game, that first drive where he had a 19-yard catch and then a 45-yard touchdown catch. That was the majority of Tyreek Hill's impact on the game today. And Mark, the other part of this too, the Miami Dolphins did not convert a third down. Insane. Like that's incredible. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's something uh, I I don't think you could find another Niners opponent who didn't convert a single third down this year. We'd have to go back through the box scores, but I would I would the closest would probably be Denver. I know Russell Wilson was like oh for his first nine or something. They I remember they converted at least one on that on that drive where they took the lead late in that game. Yeah. Um, but an incredible performance for the 49ers defense. That that third down number is is remarkable. Um, we'll talk about Nick Bosa in a bit, I'm sure. He's he of course deserves all the credit in the world, and he might have just vaulted himself to the top spot in the defensive player of the year rankings. But I do think we also need to give a shout out to Dre Greenlaw. He was phenomenal in this game. Of course, people are going to remember 
uh, the fumble recovery he picked up and, and ran in for a touchdown. As you mentioned, the Dolphins uh, offensive lineman could have just fallen on the ball and it it never would have happened for Dre Greenlaw. And that was, of course, because of a Nick Bosa sack. That was a good play for Dre Greenlaw, but not near his best play. It was that fourth down, fourth and two from the San Francisco 36-yard line. The Dolphins trailing by six points with six minutes left. Biggest moment of the game, bar none. This was the biggest play of the game. Ruled the catch on a quick out to Gasicki, the tight end on the left side of the field, on the left sideline. But on replay and on review, after it was challenged by Kyle Shanahan, ruled incomplete because Dre Greenlaw got his arm right in the breadbasket of Gasicki, knocked the ball away, and Gasicki never really had control of the ball. It's an incomplete pass, turnover on downs. Niners get the ball, they go down, they get a field goal, then the strip sack, and the game's over. Incredible play by Dre Greenlaw. That's not the only play he was good on. He led the team with eight tackles. Of course, he had that fumble recovery. He had that pass defense that I'm talking about against Gasicki. He was incredible once again. And him and Fred Warner, seems like every week, are just making another case why they're the best linebacking unit in football. They showed out again today, led by Dre Greenlaw. Yeah, and Dre Greenlaw, it, it was funny. So there was a play in the second half. I forget which which what what down in, in place it was, but there was a play where he he kind of caught Tyreek Hill uh, on the sideline, yeah. Yeah. and he showed restraint. Like <laughs> he, did. he picked up Tyreek Hill and looked like he was about to suplex him which he easily could have done, by the way. And then, of course, would have been 15 yards against the 49ers. But that's a play where, like, you see Dre Greenlaw come from week one against Chicago, where he makes a boneheaded play, unnecessary roughness after the play to help the extend a Bears drive. Turns out that's a drive that ends up help to, you know, to beat you. And then now, umpteen weeks later, to see him be able to go and restrain himself on that play but then later be able to lay the wood mm. on Raheem Mostert, whoever's come out of the backfield for the for the Dolphins. I think he also had a couple of big hits on receivers coming across the middle. Like Drake Greenlaw is playing with passion and fire, but also intelligence that we did not see throughout his career that kind of followed him a little bit, those after the, the, the play uh, flags. Like Drake Greenlaw, I, I think that's a good point, is, is playing outstanding football. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that that play with Tyree Hill on the sideline where he could have suplexed him or, or hit him later or threw him down to the ground. I, I thought the same thing watching it live. He, you saw him pick him up and then just softly place him back down. But I was honestly more impressed with the fact that he got to Tyree Hill in the first place. I mean, uh, you know, Tyree Hill, the fastest you know player in in the NFL, caught a short pass on a crossing route. Uh, it was Dre Greenlaw coming from his, you know, linebacker position in the middle of the field. There's about five yards difference between the two of them. And Tyreek Hill is trying to get the edge. And Dre Greenlaw, athletic and quick enough to get to the edge, not let Tyreek Hill get around him. Tyreek then tried to slow down and cut back to the inside. Dre Greenlaw was waiting for him, gave him the big bear hug, as you mentioned, and then kind of just pushed him out of bounds before picking him up and, and placing him back down. That play impressive in, in multiple occasions one catching Tyreek Hill in the first place and then two not delivering a late hit so Drake Greenlaw again showing restraint as you mentioned which is certainly an improvement but continuing continuing excuse me to show off his physical tools 
he is as athletic and this linebacking core is as athletic as athletic excuse me as any in the NFL it was a, a phenomenal display by those guys yeah and also before we get to Bosa I do want to give a shout out to the secondary I thought they played pretty darn well except for the two you know sort of explosive plays at the beginning and then towards the tail end of the game um, which you could make a case were more so on the safety in those positions than the actual defensive backs themselves on the outside. Um, I know Hufanga, who you know has made a name for himself making those big plays, those instinctive plays from center field, uh, kind of got caught with his hand in the cookie jar a couple of times. Uh, specifically, I-, I thought more so on the second um, play that Tyreek Hill took to the house than the first yeah. one from Sherfield. But look, I mean, Jimmy Ward played really well today came up with an opportunistic interception, doesn't really honestly get a whole lot of picks. So Jimmy Ward, right place, right time, made the play, also had a pass defense. Uh, Diamador Lenore, I thought, did a serviceable job. He'd been kind of hurt. Yep, go Ducks, according to Mark. Uh, For those of you watching, he just (laughs) threw up the O. But, you know, and then, of course, Traverius Ward or Mooney Ward, whatever you want to call him, his, I I thought, you know, was, was solid today. Everything they just kept in front of them for the most part, except yeah. for those two big bombs. So the secondary I thought was good too. Yeah, the the one fourth quarter bomb to to Tyree Hill, the only points that the Dolphins scored in the second half, uh, it was against Mooney Ward. But it was it was as you're talking about Talano Hufanga was the the safety on that side of the field. Mooney Ward was playing outside leverage, forcing. Tyree Kill to the inside, thinking that he had that safety help from Talanoa Hufunga, but Hufunga ran up to cover a a um, shorter route, a more shallow route there in the middle of the field, and it left Tyree Kill wide open. So a bit of miscommunication there. That's not all on Mooney Ward. It's probably more on Hufunga than on Mooney Ward, but still Mooney Ward did get beat on that one. But you're right. Besides those two, and listen, this is an elite offense in Miami. They're going to have those explosive plays. You're not going to shut out this offense. I don't care how good your defense is. It's simply not going to happen. They're going to have some of those plays. They did. It's it's not a, the biggest deal. Like You can move on from that. The, the thing is you can't let it affect your play the next drive. If you give up a big one, flush it, move on to the next thing, and, and trust your principles because your principles have gotten you this far. And the Niners' defense did that. They were they were incredible. Again, all all three areas, but Evan potentially the most up front with Nick Bosa. Yeah, I mean let let's go right to him. I mean three sacks. He's now got fourteen and a half on the season in eleven games. I think technically because uh, he did miss yes, one against Atlanta. So. I mean, if you're talking about bang for your buck, like I don't know where else you're going around the NFL to look at. Nick Bosa is unbelievable. Like simply put, he is he is unblockable. And if you put him in a situation which the defense around him certainly helps to where he's going one on one to where he is matched up with, as we talked about on on the previous episode and as was revealed before the game, backup tackles on both sides of the football, like that guy's going to feast. But that's also important because when you're playing against backups, people expect a lot out of you. And Nick Bosa has shown time and time again that when the expectations are at their highest, he delivers. And today, it didn't need to be a fourth and goal towards the end of the game with your opponent knocking on the door like he did against the Saints. It was throughout the contest against a quarterback that was searching for open guys and could not find them because he had 
97 breathing down his neck the majority of the game. I, I know that it almost becomes just like too easy to say, hey, Nick Bosa had a big game today. But today he had a freaking big game. Like the guy had a hat trick basically with three sacks. And I know one of them might have come later, but he just his presence on the field, Mark, it's it's really incredible to watch. And I do appreciate also that he plays defensive line because that means we get to see him on every single play. He's not off of the screen. You can key in in your eyes on number 97 and you can also key on him because oftentimes he's near the football, which is in the backfield. Yeah, and he certainly has the ability to, I don't know, I guess pick and choose the right times to make big plays. His first sack was in the second quarter on a third and one in a 10-10 tie late in that uh, second quarter. It gave the Niners the ball back. They they eventually would go down and in, in score uh, before halftime, and you know that's obviously a gigantic moment for a sack. Of course, that last one was... Uh, you know, that, that set up the touchdown on the fumble recovery by Dre Greenlaw. And then the one before that was on a third and eight as well for Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins offense. So he not only has the three sacks, but he has them all in gigantic moments. And he's, he's just simply making a habit of it. And with those three sacks, as you mentioned, now 14 and a half sacks on the year, leading the NFL as it stands currently as we record this Sunday evening. Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys might have something to say about that Sunday night football. Uh, Matthew Judon with the Patriots, 13. Nick Bosa up to 14 and a half. So a phenomenal game for Nick Bosa. And we'll likely see the Vegas odds shift a little bit now in the defensive player of the year voting. I would certainly expect that. No doubt about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, this is the 415ers podcast, as always, coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Feel free to follow us on social media. And uh, I'm on social at getting 10 Mark is on social at Mark Randy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. All right, now that we get to, you know, we, we talked about the defense. Look, they have helped the 49ers pitch four consecutive second-half shutouts today. They did not do it. They only held the Dolphins, one of the most explosive offenses in football, to seven points. Tough day for them, I guess. Uh, but when it comes down to the offense outside of the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, because that is unfortunately what is going to mar what was a pretty big day for the offense and for Brock Purdy, who, who again, um, you know, is now Mr. Relevant for the 49ers. He was pretty good, I thought, Mark, for a guy that had to good. come in. It was, <laughs> that's, I'll give you a four out of five on that one. He was, he was pretty good. Uh, for those that didn't catch Mark's little quip there. Uh, but he was, look, I mean, he certainly leaned on the playmakers that he has on offense, but I don't know what else you expected from Brock Purdy. Like the fact that he didn't come in and the game got way out of hand because obviously it was up in the balance. Uh, in fact, the Fortnaters needed to technically come back in this game. Like I, I got to tip my cap to Brock Purdy as well as Kyle Shanahan and even Brian Greasy, because clearly this guy was ready for the moment when he needed to be. Uh, Greasy, I, the quarterback's coach, by the way. Yeah, I, 
I'm glad you mentioned Greasy, something we can we could talk about on future episodes. But I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for how this season has gone for the 49ers. Uh, we talked a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo and his improved play. It's his first year under new quarterback coach Brian Greasy. So, I mean, this is, you know, an NFL veteran. He was in the broadcast booth last year, his first year on a coaching staff. But I think he deserves some credit. And, you know, we will. I, I think we'll make a plan to talk about that more in future episodes. But you gotta credit you gotta credit Brock Purdy as well. You're right. He was good. What stood out to me, and I think this was going to be the case even if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get injured, it was even with the knee irritation injury for Christian McCaffrey that there was thoughts of of maybe keeping him out of this game. Uh he carried the load for the 49ers, specifically in the first half. He had 17 first half touches. 17. The Niners, rest of their skill position players, that's Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, Jordan Mason, Kyle Juszczyk, Tyler Croft, who had a catch, Juwan Jennings as well. Everyone else combined in the first half had 13 touches of the football. Christian McCaffrey had 17. Debo Samuel, Jordan Mason kind of spelled him a little bit in the second half. Debo Samuel had 10 touches, eight of which came in the second half. But still, McCaffrey finishes with 25 touches of the football. I think we would have seen a similar number to that, even if Garoppolo was the quarterback, but it's interesting to see Christian McCaffrey kind of for the first time in number of touches in volume. We've seen him take over a game, that Rams game where he had three total touchdowns, but this was really the first game where just in sheer volume, he took over and put the Niners on his back and they needed it because When you have a rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant going in there, he certainly didn't look Mr. Irrelevant, but that's who he is at this point of his career. You needed your stars to step up and just take some of the pressure away from him. Let him get into the game, get a little bit comfortable. And then in the second half, they moved away from McCaffrey a little bit more, which was good. But McCaffrey deserves credit because he shouldered a heavy load in that first half. No, he did, and I think that's also one of the reasons that Brock Purdy felt so comfortable in the second half is because he was allowed to sort of enter the flow of the offense at an abrupt moment, obviously, but having Christian McCaffrey as the ultimate safety blanket is certainly one way uh, to feel pretty good about yourself, whether it be throwing the football, handing it off, trusting in your offensive line that at times, you know, looks shaky today a little bit, but certainly did enough for the 49ers to dominate time of possession in an incredible fashion against the Miami Dolphins, a team that although we associate them with being explosive, they also do hold on to the ball to a Tagovailoa kind of, you know, will sometimes be able to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers, create explosive plays, but mostly he's dinking and dunking and moving the ball in a methodical fashion. Today, he could not do that because the 49ers had the ball for 40 freaking minutes compared to 19 for the Miami Dolphins, or 40 and a half to 19 and a half. But the point stands, and that was because Brock Purdy managed the game in, in pretty much like the definition of the fashion I think people associate with being a game manager. And... That's why I, I can't necessarily, you know, I, I'm not going to write them off for the playoffs, although we talked about this impacting their Super Bowl chances, the loss of a, of a second quarterback. But Brock Purdy, I think, showed today against a defense that, you know, is, is middle of the pack, not amazing, but certainly not poor by any means, um, that Brock Purdy 
he showed that he can manage a football game and help you get wins in the regular season because largely like the only mistake he really made, and, and even if we're nitpicking the interception, uh, was essentially a long punt you know, from about mid- midfield down inside the red zone, a situation the 49ers would have been in probably anyways. Like he made the right decisions more so than even the plays themselves. That's what I was impressed with. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you look at young quarterbacks, they could have all the physical tools. They could be highly drafted, you know, the most researched and talked about prospect in 10 years. But where young quarterbacks struggle, and again, I'm not saying that those qualifiers, you know, refer to Brock Purdy at all. I'm just saying for young quarterbacks, no matter who you are, where you tend to struggle more early in your career than anywhere else is situational football. And Brock Purdy had two successful situational drives in this game. Late in the first half, game tied 10-10. He gets the ball with two minutes and 48 seconds left at his own 24-yard line. Again, a lot of it was Christian McCaffrey, but Brock Purdy is the signal caller. He's the quarterback. He led the 49ers on an 11-play, 76-yard touchdown drive that ended with four seconds on the clock. Just an absolutely picture-perfect two-minute drive that allowed the 49ers the attempt to double-dip. They get the touchdown there. They get the ball to start the third quarter. Of course, they had to go three and out on that possession, but still, a a perfectly executed two-minute drive to close the first half. Then, late in the game, after that great Dre Greenlaw forced incompletion on fourth down, the Dolphins turn the ball over on downs. It comes back to Brock Purdy. You get the ball with six minutes left on your own 36-yard line. You go 10 plays, 34 yards, not great. He wasn't asked to do too much, mostly hand the ball off. But still, you manage to get the offense down in field goal range, Any score makes it a two-possession game. You did that. Then your defense forces another turnover. The rest is history. But Brock Purdy, in situational football, two for two, leading scoring drives. Those two drives, in my opinion, Evan, as impressive as any moment that Brock Purdy had in this game. And I'm glad you especially keyed in on that, the first of the drives you're talking about, but the last drive of the first half. Because another part of what we see from young quarterbacks is – compounding mistakes Mm. and that was something that we did not see from him specifically under two minutes there's a throw to the to the near side of the field if you're watching on tv in which he overthrows a wide a butt naked open brandon Ayuk, like could not have been more open (laughs) sails it over his head next throw third and ten with a guy in his face delivers a dime to george kittle over the middle that moves the chains, that helps you, of course, go down to score. But then, as they continue to to move the ball down the field, a little dump off to Christian McCaffrey with about 13 seconds left. I, I know we'll we'll talk maybe in later episodes, maybe on Wednesday, about uh, you know kind of the, the interesting decision that Shanahan chose to not use the timeout with 28 seconds and said they ran the ball up the middle and then chose to use a timeout on, on second and goal. Um, it was kind of interesting, but it ended up working out. Nevertheless, the next play after that, Christian McCaffrey drops a touchdown. Like he just simply put, I thought Brock Purdy put a pretty good ball on him. Maybe it was a little bit behind him. It was a tight he, window. He dropped the ball. It was a tight window. Dropped the ball. Goes right back to him. 
Now, I know that's Christian McCaffrey. Like, obviously, you're not going to go away from your best playmaker, but immediately keys in on him and dumps it off in the flat. Christian McCaffrey scores, and then I just go into the half with a lot of momentum up 17-10. Two situations on that drive where Brock Purdy could have compounded his mistake with another one, could have you know, potentially not made a play after he had already made one. And for a guy in his essentially first game as the starting quarterback, I thought it was pretty impressive. Um, do you want to hand out some game balls, Mark? Uh, yeah, might as well. Uh, game, but you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I can go first. I just know we got a little bit of time left here. I want to make sure we get to it. Um, to me, I, I know we, we, we kind of mentioned him before, uh, but, but it was, it was Dre Greenlaw for me on defense. Mm. Uh, I thought Dre Greenlaw was flying all over the field. I know that Fred Warner had a late interception. Uh, that's certainly going to help his his season numbers. And Fred Warner is is the captain of a lot of this. I, there was a play over the middle early in the first half in which Fred Warner made a nice uh, defense. You know, they they took away a lot of the, mi- the middle of the field because of what Fred Warner did. But I think that Dre Greenlaw set the tone, especially. Um, in the run game, and even like you talked about, being able to cover guys like Tyreek Hill, being able to you know kind of allow offensive players to pass him but stay with him. Like he did not, I guess he, he to me like he was you know he was the ultimate uh, gel in the middle of the field for them and for a defense that has been very obviously stellar this year. But to beat the Miami Dolphins at home by 16 points and hold that offense to 10 first half points the seven second half points. Uh, I, I thought he was the catalyst for me, embodied a lot of what I saw as far as the physicality from San Francisco. Good pick, good pick. Uh, I will, uh, just for the sake of get, going to the offensive side, I think we could each come up with two or three guys, but I'll, I'll stick on, I'll go over to the offensive side. This guy we just talked about a little bit ago, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he just steadied the 49ers through the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. They turned to him, Again, 17 touches in the first half, and it's not like the touches weren't working either. He was phenomenal. 17 carries in total, 66 yards, about four yards a pop. Eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. So what, 100 and almost 150 yards on uh, on the game on 25 total touches. He was incredible in this game. Niners certainly do not put up 33 without him. They probably get blown out without him. Honestly, that's the kind of impact he had on this game. You lose your quarterback and you turn to a seventh round rookie. You're not supposed to win games. Christian McCaffrey was the security blanket, as you mentioned, and he is the reason why the Niners steadied themselves in the first half and were even in position to win the game in the second half. He was that good. No, that's that is that is a fantastic pick. I do also want to give credit to Debo Samuel, who I thought Yes. Uh, if we're talking about guys like embodied physicality, I know I mentioned mm. great Drake Greenlaw did it on defense, but in the second half, Debo Samuel, like <laughs> just big boy, the Miami Dolphins on a few different plays. And it was, you know, and we, we've talked about how Iuke is the number one receiver, maybe runs better routes, catches, you know, Juwan Jennings is a great third down option. Christian McCaffrey is the ultimate safety blanket. Debo Samuel is just a freaking baller, man. Like, oh, he is. like when he plays the way he did in the second half against Miami, I, I, I just remember like, yeah, that's that's why they paid that guy $20 million. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the fourth quarter was his quarter. Five of his 10 touches in the fourth quarter and all of the touches, kind of similar to Bosa on the other side, Evan. I was talking about his three sacks. He kind of always, he has a knack of, 
of picking the, the best moments for his sacks. Debo Samuel has a knack of picking the best moments for his big plays on offense. Five touches in the fourth quarter. They were all huge. They were all physical. He ran through Dolphins players on multiple occasions. So Debo Samuel certainly deserving of a shout out. Uh, if we had more game balls to give away, Nick Bosa would get one. Brock Purdy would get one. Um, there's there's a despite both Kyle the, Shanahan and D'Amico Ryan's would probably get one. You're right. That's a really good point. That's that's a very good point. Despite the the gray cloud hanging over this uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo, so many positive things for the 49ers against the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm with you. And we're going to break down some of the, you know, the different storylines and the different branches of that on that the unfortunate foot injury, foot season ending injury that Jimmy Garoppolo sustained in the first quarter of the Dolphins game here today um, on Sunday. That is, you know, is is going to have and it's going to permeate throughout this franchise in a way that I, I think, unfortunately, will, will hurt them in the long run, especially for this season. Um, but in the meantime, we appreciate you tuning in. This has been another episode of the 415ers. As we talked about, it's it's it's, it's a bit of both today. Like it's a great episode because they, in my opinion, beat their best uh, opponent in the Miami Dolphins and kind of embarrassed them. But at the same time, they lose their starting quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. So, Mark, I appreciate you hopping on with me uh, recording this after the game. Yes, of course, Evan. Looking forward to the next episode on Wednesday. No doubt, no doubt. And thank you all for listening in. Download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, tell your friends about it. We appreciate any and all downloads. All uh, the, the the ears are to the street for the 415ers. We're, we're trying to grow <laughs> this thing. And uh, days like day, like days like today make it fun because there's a lot to talk about, both good and bad. But uh, we will talk to you on Wednesday. And in the meantime, take it easy. We appreciate you tuning in to the 415ers podcast. <laughs> <laughs>